I want to welcome you to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're ministering the Word this morning and so excited about the Word. We're going to talk about going to the other side. Going to the other side. You ought to go to the other side. And we say that you should stay certain in uncertain times. That's the key to making it to the other side is to stay certain, stay steady, in uncertain and unsteady times. Well, I think everybody would say we're in uncertain times. Nobody's standing up and saying, I got a handle on this. I know what to do and how it should go. They don't, but we do. We just stay certain. We stay steady. Don't get off the track. If you do, you'll just have to find your way back. So if you would with me this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 8. This candy bar's in my way. I either have to eat it or give it. But I'm watching you on the front row. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 8? We've been looking at going to the other side. And I have, uh, I promise you, I did not know all this was going on this morning. But the message, absolutely, seems to connect to that. I don't know if it'll come out that way. But it says in chapter 8, verse 18, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. Verse 23, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? We just read right over that, but it was like the waves were covering the ship, and he was asleep. Obviously, if he'd watched Alabama last night, he wouldn't be asleep. Hallelujah. <laughs> he'd still be awake. Uh, uh, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fear fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Amen. Amen. He was going to the other side. Uh, so I'm going to say something this morning. I'm going to say like this. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Now remember that. I mean, we've been saying that for years and years. I think I first said that in 06. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Now turn to Matthew chapter 14, please. Slip over a page or six. Chapter 14, and let's look at that again. In verse 17, of course, this is, a, this is in, still in Matthew, so this is another, this isn't a retelling of that first story. And um, verse 17, yes. It, it came up after the meeting that they were hungry, and they say unto him, verse 17, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave. He blessed and he brake and he gave the loaves to his disciples. How about that? And his disciples to the multitude. How many of y'all know we're being equipped for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ? I, you know, I love songs that say... Uh, Nothing is impossible with God. And I love songs that say, 
God is powerful and, and in him is all. But you ought to have seen it before when God had it by himself. There wasn't anything going on when God had it by himself. He did the creation by himself. He got everything in order. But he didn't do anything after that. He did everything through a man. He empowered his man, his woman. And that's where everything got done. Now, of course, we're, we're certainly not saying we're anything. And we're certainly not saying he's nothing. But we're just saying you've got to have both. Without him, we can do nothing. But without us, he can't do anything. So you all know if he could, he would. And things would be in a lot better shape than they, than they are. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments. And there remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And straightway, here it is, Jesus constrained. We looked at that word. It's a real strong word. He constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Well, since we just read the story in Matthew 8 where uh, the ship was swamped with water, after he said, let's go to the other side, and then the ship was swamped, how many of y'all know that was still the will of God? Because Jesus was in the ship, and Jesus was not missing the will of God. Like, what is this? We shouldn't have got into this place. It was the will of God. And yet the storm came up and swamped them. So when Jesus said here in chapter 14, let's go do it again, well, who's wanting to sign up for that? You know, you go, well, we'll go with Jesus, and there won't be a storm. Nah, they, and he'll, he'll take a nap at that time. How unhandy to take your morning nap is when you're being swamped. But you understand here, we remember things that didn't go well, even in the will of God. It makes the world very cynical to go through a bad experience, and the church is hardly exempt from that. If you have a bad experience and you hesitate at doing again, it's because you can remember, I can remember that bad experience. And especially if we were new at it and green at it and didn't understand and fumbled it. Y'all ever fumbled in the bad times? Fumbled. So, you, you know, and you don't want to fumble again, but it was bad the first time. And Jesus said, uh, hey, boys, let's, uh, I'm constraining you to go to the other side. Well, why did he have to constrain them? Because <laughs> I all remembered back just... Just uh, uh, six chapters ago. Lord, you remember six chapters ago? This didn't go well. And if you hadn't have been there, we'd been on the bottom of the lake. So I want to say, when's the last time you did something for the second time? Because sometimes we, we're all in. Yes, Lord, let's go take the land. But after it didn't go so well, or after there was a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance. Y'all ever had resistance to doing the will of God? And what does it make you think? First of all, is this the will of God? Oh, my. Everything about this ministry, you could say that. I mean, almost on a monthly basis, you could say, what? What are we doing? How are we missing it? How is this not? Because there's pushback. There's a resistance. There's, there's no affirmation in the short term. I, I remember going home with Debbie, and, you know, she was a woman of few words. And... Uh, and every once in a while, and I told Deborah this the other day, every once in a while, maybe once or twice a year, she'd just sit there and say, top five, that was in the top five. And I'd say, that wasn't even a good message. I bumbled and fumbled and run that thing around. She said, I said top five. 
And then I'd come out some services and go home and I'd be glowing. Nailed it. Got that thing in. It was just right. The Lord helped me. It was good. And I'll say, what would you think? She said, it's okay. <laughs> you can't go by that. You can't go by anything concerning the will of God that's outward. You have to have the witness on the inside. And so when's the last time you did something for the second time? I think sometimes that's harder than doing it the first time because you have that memory of that bad experience. How many, how many people have you laid hands on and they did not get healed? Well, if that was, if that was ever the case, you, what happens to the next person that come by and you want to pray for them? And you remember the last number two, three, four, and seven that did not get healed. And you go, whoa, I need to have a redo here. We can't be that people, can we? We got to jump in the ship and say, we're going to the other side. Uh, and uh, I think cynicism and fear. Cynicism is, you know, people, the world is very cynical right now. They have a snarky remark. For everything that's right and good, you know, well, you, you conservatives and yeah, you whatevers, you Christians, but it doesn't, it doesn't change anything just because they're cynical and because they're sarcastic and satirical, that doesn't change anything. So they jumped in the ship with him and you know the story there, it, it didn't go well, they, there was a terrible storm and Jesus starts walking on the water and walks by him. He was going to the other side. And we looked at that. That means that there was more than one, one way. But they had to be at the right place at the right time. I sure appreciate y'all saying that about the right, because, you know, nobody knows, but you know the Lord. He's orchestrating things. You never know what you're saying or doing, all of us in our life, that affects people. So we've got to be full up all the time. I don't, let, I don't like to let my cars get below a half a tank. I always want to be ready. I want to always be able to drive 200 miles in 13 seconds. Amen? Being ready. That's just me. Uh, let's go down to verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountains apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship, but the ship, he, he, he's good, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with, with waves. And the wind was contrary. And we looked at that, how contrary it was. One version said it was hurricane force winds. I couldn't find that version, but I heard that. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Remember, anything that we don't understand, we tend to be against. We all tend to be against whatever we don't understand. So when you were a Baptist or a Methodist or whatever you were, or maybe you just were in the world, when you heard about tongues and didn't understand it, then you just naturally fell into that old argument, well, why do we need that? And, you know, and if, if we needed that, it would be this. And all the arguments that have been chiseled into stone. But now that we're on the other side of the Holy Ghost and speaking other tongues, we go, why did I hesitate? It's wonderful. Well, maybe there's other things like that that are in front of us that we might misunderstand or not understand at all that are just as wonderful. We ought to open up. Amen. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, verse 27, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, if it be thou bid me come unto thee, thee on the water. And he said, Come. 
And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And he immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Y'all know that's in the air all the time when we draw back. You go, well, the Lord never said it to me. Sure he did, because he's no respecter of persons. We should be further along at every case. Every time we've hesitated or not gone into the word or not prayed something out or believed something that was from somebody that was unbelief, a cynical, sarcastic person, and then we're not prepared for the next thing. He's saying, he's saying right there, oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? We're supposed to be believing, aren't we? Because we're easily persuaded to believe. <clears throat> Let's say it together. I'm easily persuaded to believe. Now, that's who we are. There's a lot of things we're not, and people are better at that, but they're worldly. But we are easily persuaded to believe. And you might would say, well, why do we want to do that? We might be conned if we're just gullible and fall for anything. Oh, we've got the same Holy Ghost inside that makes us easily persuaded to believe, saying, I'll show you what's not right. I'll steer you. Amen. So in verse 32, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Hallelujah. So let me just tell y'all, when you come into the ship, the wind ceases. But you got to come into the ship. And when they were in the ship, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, or however you say that. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Now look, look, look. They went to the other side, didn't they? They got through the storm and they got to the other side. The other side was named Gennesaret or Gennesaret, that place over there. But when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. How many of y'all know these people, all these people could not get to where Jesus was, so he went to where they were. He went to the other side. And not everybody that God's called you and me to touch is on this side. Not everybody. Now, this is a good place to start. When, they, when you join the military, they send you to boot camp. Uh, when you, when you take, uh, go in for a university degree, they start you out in 101 courses. Y'all know about 101, English 101, History 101, or whatever they do. They don't start you in advanced civilizations. And so that's the way it is in the kingdom. We're starting out. So somebody needs you, where you where, and you need to go to them because they can't come to you. They don't even know you're uh, full of the Holy Ghost. There's resistance to go where they are. Why? Because we're comfortable. You know, when they uh, followed the pillar of, of uh, fire and the cloud uh, through the wilderness, in the, through the wilderness uh, after they came out of Egypt, sometimes they stayed in a place for a while. And when they did, I, I always think about somebody putting a little picket fence around the backyard and putting a clothesline up and putting some tomatoes and carrots in there and, and camping. And all of a sudden, the next morning, the cloud was down the hill. And they're going, I don't want to leave my, they're, they're fixing to come off. The tomatoes are green and we need to wait four more days. And the cloud was moving. 
and the cloud's still moving. Y'all, we're down here to follow the cloud. We're not down here to build us a little picket fence and, and put a clothesline up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to find the other side, to go to the other side. And I dare say it's yours. Jesus told them, let's go to the other side. He didn't tell them it'll be good. He didn't tell them it'll be without incident. He didn't tell them this is going to have a lot of rewards. They're going to come out and we're going to help them. He just said, all you need to know is you got to go to the other side. And I'm saying to myself, Michael, all I need to know from the master, go to the other side. You don't have to have a word. You don't have to have a scratching on the wall. You don't have to have a Holy Ghost uh, uh, wake a dream, as it were. And the Lord said, come out here. Now, that can happen, and it did happen. Remember when Paul uh, uh, had a dream, and the Macedonians were saying, come over here. He did get direction that way, to go to the other side. But nobody wants to leave their comfort zone. We just now finally got it like we wanted, because we were in the world, and we never knew how to get it nice. But once we got Jesus, everything started turning out amazing. And once it turned out amazing, we want to stay where it's amazing. We finally got it right. And he's saying, move, get to the other side. No, I want to be comfy for a while. I've been working all my life and I, I don't want to go. Well, the reason we've been working all our life at things that are hard is because we weren't following the Lord. Do y'all remember those days? Well, I do. Uh, to tell you the truth, when I quit farming to go into the ministry, I'll get to that, but uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a great little farm. I, I farmed 1,500 acres in West Texas, and I had a barn. And the fall before I went into the ministry, the fall, I spent $1,000 in plywood and hardware to build me an office in my barn. And then the next month, the Lord said, come ye out. And it's like, this was unhandy. I should have kept that $1,000. So I want to tell you all the story this morning. And you've heard it, but I want to, I want to bring it to a place of relevance in our lives. Uh, I married my high school sweetheart. And uh, it was awesome. It, she's the only one, and I was her only one. And uh, we went to school. I went to school two years, intending to graduate and be a rock star. Not a rock star, but a, a whatever. I, I, I don't even know what I wanted to be. I changed majors every semester. But Debbie always said, she said, now there's two things I don't want in this life. I'm marrying you, but there's two things. I don't want to be a farmer or a preacher. <laughs> And I said, that's fine with me. I'm going to school. We're going we're gonna to get our degree, and we're, gonna, we're smart, and we can do it, and this will be great. And I farmed 10 years. I, I quit school. My father-in-law told me we had school loans up to, the, up to the gazoo, and he said, if you will finish, I will pay off yours and Debbie's school debt, which was considerable back then. I mean, it was less than $10,000, but... That was a lot of money back then, and, and, uh, and so he said, I'll pay for it if you'll just stay. Well, I didn't. I wanted to farm, so I came back and farmed, and I farmed for 10 years, and I'm going to tell you all it was the happiest time 
of my life. I loved farming. I just, it agreed with me and I was good at it and I liked it and I was being an influence in my community. I started the Young Farmers of America group. We had speakers in every month and on fertilizer or insurance or something. I, I was really stepping into my, what I thought was my calling. Uh, but then suddenly we got the Holy Ghost on January 1st of 1980. And immediately, for whatever reason, we started a Bible study in our home like two and a half weeks later. We didn't know anything. I'm telling you, we knew nothing. And yet, I could read. And so I, I've told you all this. I would read Charles Capps uh, all day Thursday. All day Thursday. I stayed away from the farm and spent eight hours putting Charles Capps in. And then in 20 minutes that night, everybody gathered up and I blooped it out. It, it just took a minute. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about, but it, it takes a long time. But I had no foundation. I had no reservoir. I had no accumulation. So it took everything that I had to, because everything was going to the bottom of the barrel. There wasn't anything in there. I was Baptist. And so uh, I was still farming. And then one day he said, I want you. I wasn't hearing God real good back then, but I knew. And I loved farming. And my dad loved me farming. I was his firstborn. And, and I said, I'll farm with you all the rest of my life. And he was good with that. He was good with having his son farm with him. But one day I said, I'm heading out. Broke his heart. But he didn't believe it. He thought we'd get enough of that preaching stuff. So he said, let's keep your equipment. Let's keep your land. Let's keep it all right here. Me and your brother will farm it, and, and then you'll come back. Well, I didn't come back. So I went to the other side. I went to the other side. It was a big step. Let me just tell you, my family are all... what. They're not wealthy. They, they drive old pickups and, and have and, and dress. Well, let me just tell you, you wouldn't know they had anything. But they've got lots of land that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. They've been paying on it for 30, 40, 50 years. And they're, they, they, I would have been as good. I would have had as much as them is what I'm trying to say. Because I'm as smart as them and I knew it was and I was very engaged. And so if they were millionaires, I'm sure, I am sure I would have been because I wasn't against it. And uh, I would have been a millionaire. But I'd had to live in West Texas. I'm going to get this story kind of cranked up here. So one day I was farming 10 years and the Lord said, I want you to start a church. 18 miles away in Seminole. And so we went to the other side. So I've gone to the other side again. And I've left all this potential, this opportunity, to go to do something that's untested, untried, and nobody's for it. I was going down there, and you know how it was back then, the way it is now. Not everybody was excited about somebody coming down from the county, the head, top of the county, and, and starting to preach. But, but we said yes to pioneering the church, and we pioneered it. And I'm telling you, it turned out good. We were there 14 years and three months. And it was a good little church. It had about 75 or 80 people. A lot of people think we came to Alabama because it failed, but it did not fail. They cried real alligator tears when we left. Uh, but we said yes and went to the other side. 
And then one day, we started getting this unction that it was time to go to the other side again. There's no reason to quit college and go farm. There's no reason to quit farming and go into the ministry. There's no reason to leave your good church and what all our family, I mean all of them. I had one brother that was 60 miles away, but all of them were right there in the county. There's no reason to leave them and go somewhere else. But we got this unction. We're leaving. And we told the church we'll be there forever. So we got this go to the other side thing start cranking up in us. So we just prayed it out. And we prayed out two months, couldn't get anything. So we'd say, bless God, this is what I would say. We're going to bear down here at uh, Living Water Faith Fellowship and we're going to preach the word better and we're going to soldier on and we're going to. But then the Lord would come back and say, no, no, we're going to the other side. And so one time we, we were having a Bible study in our home. Excuse me. We we're having prayer meetings in the church at different people's homes in November. And Debbie told the Lord, this is it. We're going to fish or cut bait. We're going we're going to we're going to. Go in or go out. But right, if you can't talk to us in this prayer meeting, then quit bothering us. And that's how we went into it. But we didn't tell anybody now. It would have petrified anybody to know we were leaving. So we went in it and the Lord prophesied in that group. Acts 13, 2, it says, uh, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereinto I've called, you, called them. Well, we knew right there that was it. This was November of 95. Yeah. We've been there 14 years. So we knew. We so knew we were supposed to go the other side. And we said, where, Lord, where? We did not have a clue. Nobody knew what to do. And so we started seeking him, started praying. Where is the other side? It could be anywhere. Because we didn't know anybody outside of our little place anyway, so anywhere you went would be like a mission trip to us. And so we, over and over, he confirmed to us that it would be Alabama. And he had us go to a meeting, a prophetic meeting, of Mark Brzee's, and uh, uh, what's her name, sat behind us? No, the other one, the one that's her husband. Anyway, someone that was big in the land. Everybody knew her. I'm sorry, I can't remember. Didn't write it down. But anyway, she sat behind us. And so we were praying, praying. Everybody was praying in this room. Let's all pray and everything. And she sat right behind us. And she started praying out our plan. The city, the city. Go now, go now. Just these short, choppy phrases. So we started writing stuff down. And it was the whole itinerary for our lives. This is, this is January after uh, finding out for sure we were leaving. And, uh, but we knew we were leaving, so we started. I put the house up for sale. Myron, who worked for the church at that time, put a sign in the front yard on Thursday at 4 o'clock, and we sold it by 7 o'clock for $5,000 more than we were asking. And in Seminole, that just doesn't happen. But it did happen. And... Suddenly he started downloading to us, tell her first, tell them second, tell them third. Tell, tell Debbie's grandmother last because she was telephone, telegraph, telegranny. If you wanted something broadcast, you just told Granny Hicksie. So she was the last one to know. 
And I'm telling you, we were in Alabama. And we took a trip out here. We flew out here saying, we've got to find a house. We didn't have any money. The realtor was losing her mind. How are you going to pay for this? Well, we don't know. Well, how are you going to, why are we looking? Just keep looking. Just drove her up, and she told us, you are driving me crazy. And we came out here, and we went to Odenville. We went to Springville. We went, uh, and we finally found a house in Trustville and put a contract on it and went home and started packing. And we were in a U-Haul trailer. Myron and us drove everything I owned in the biggest U-Haul, carrying a, uh, pulling a trailer with our little car on it, and the, our Suburban, which had a $550 a month payment on it, pulling, uh, pulling the, the other 12-foot U-Haul trailer. And we came out here, stopped in Trustful, unloaded everything into a, U, uh, a service uh, storage thing, and, and unloaded and went and, and rented the Rhyme Garden Suites there in Irondale and said, here we are. And no job here, no money. We had $3,000. We spent $1,100 on the Rhyme Garden. We spent $1,100 on the, uh, the, uh, $1, the U-Haul, and $500 was our car payment. And, and we had Eric to put in school. I'm, t I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. I, I don't want to bore you with my story. But I'm telling you, sometimes it takes a crooked little trail to go to the other side. And it's not always like you have everything confirmed and everything's lined up and everything is, is absolutely, you can, anybody could see heaven here. Nobody could see heaven. We kissed her, our mamas by and they were both crying. And her mother was mad. Well, my mother was pretty mad. Because what are you going to? Who, who's waiting on you? What church are you going to pastor? What, what, you know, they're Baptists. They don't get the thing. I don't even get the thing. So it wasn't just them. And we just, we just left. And once you give your church away, I found a pastor for it right there. Found a pastor for it. Put him in, installed him, and, uh, and just drove off. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And yet I was there. I wouldn't believe you if you told me. And I barely believe me, but I was there. And we were the happiest people on the planet. Let me just tell you something. Now, this is the point I'm making. Once you say yes to go to the other side, something happens. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, it's, it's hard. It's hard, challenging, I should say. It's challenging to say yes when the Lord says go to the other side. And the reason it is, is because it's always difficult and not conventional of how you're going to get to the other side or what's going to happen. There's lots of little traps between here and there, like a storm on the lake. Are you all there? Yeah. There, and, and storms were documented back then. They wasn't the first storm like, oh, my word, a hundred year storm. No, it happened all the time. And uh, in verse 13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith. Say spirit of faith. Spirit we having. Paul said, we having the same spirit of faith. Explain that, Paul. According as it is written. So he goes to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it says, I believed and therefore have I spoken. And then Paul comes back to present time. He says, we also believe and therefore speak. The spirit of faith. Now, let me just tell you, I, I can verify this. How do you get the spirit of faith to work for you? You get involved in something that requires the spirit of faith. 
You don't get the spirit of faith to go to the grocery store and pick up some eggs. You get it when you are walking on the water. That's what happened to Peter. He said, yes, if it be thou, Lord, bid me come. And the spirit of faith came on him, and the man walked on water. It had never been done before he saw Jesus walking on the water. It had never been documented in any regard, any, any physical or spiritual terms. That you could walk on the water. But the spirit of faith came on him and he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. And you go, well, that was Peter. Well, it was for the other 11 too. They should have all said, me too, Lord. And he would have said, come on, it's up to y'all, the spirit of faith. And I'm telling you, the spirit of faith comes on you when you say yes to the other side. And you go, how? If you stop and hesitate and think it out and say, how will I go and what will I do and what about my church and what about my family and what, then you will not go to the other side. You will not go and you will be years on this side. And there's something to do on this side, but eventually you tap that out and everything that's ready for you to do some more is on the other side. But if you're on this side, you won't do that side. Are y'all here? I'm talking to you about your life. And I, I'm talking to you about my life, how this worked. And so a bubble of faith just ignited in us. And we had no fear. We were totally fearless. And it was the most fearful thing that a natural person could imagine. Uh, $3,000. And I had a $500 car payment. And the rent was $1,100 a month. And we had to find Eric a school. He went to Trustful. Uh, and, and we had no meetings. The Lord said, I want you to uh, preach the word from coast to coast. I didn't know anybody. I had a little circle there in West Texas, but I was the least of all of the ministers. They didn't want me coming back from Alabama and preaching in Leveland or Brownfield or Odessa or uh, where they all were. I had nowhere to go. So I got on the phone and started calling pastors because he had given me a message on promotion that comes from the Lord in December before we pulled out in January. That was handy because nobody was teaching that. Nobody had ever heard of it. And at that time, I'd never heard of anybody that had it, but uh, heard of it, but I did. And I got that out in Seminole and I said, I'm going to go preach this across the nation. And when I'd call, I'd have to call the secretary. Oh, he's at golf or he's in a meeting or he's He's just mad, and he's not coming out, and he's not answering the phone, whatever. I learned a lot. But I got in, eventually in April, I got my first meeting. And then you had Eric, you had to, in school, but Colin was, it was just, it was just, you wouldn't do it for anything. And if you ask me if you should do it, I would always say no. I called Pastor Webb coming back from Tulsa, and I said, we're coming to Alabama. He said, no. And he was an authority in my life. He said, no, you've got a good church. All your family's there. There is nothing here for you. No problem. He was making no place for me. I said, we'll see you soon. If you can be talked out of going to the other side, if people say, what do you think? You already know they shouldn't go because the spirit of faith hadn't showed up. This is not talking about calculating and measuring and budgeting and, and uh, calling some friends to see. You can't do any of that. If you do any of that, you're not in the spirit of faith. And it's not going to happen. But that's the first time. We're going, leaving farming and going to the ministry 
having no training, having no background, knowing nobody that was in the ministry. Took the spirit of faith, but I said yes first. Knowing everything that I didn't know, I said yes. And it came on me like a glove on a hand. It came on me like a, a, a canopy, a, a vapor. And it came on, and all of a sudden, you couldn't unbelieve. You couldn't doubt. You could not say yes. It was just easy. Oh, yeah, we can do that. We'll, we'll go to Alabama. I found a little house for sale in Trustful, and we'll buy that house. Couldn't find anybody that'd loan us the money for the house because they say, you've got to have two years of business experience. You've got to have so much money in the bank. And we had none. So I went to Pastor Webb and I said, what's up? I can't get a house. Never thought about renting. And he said, just go through the phone book, go down in yellow pages and go down every one of them until you find the one. And I believed him. And the last one in the phone book, I called and the guy said, uh, he was on the parkway. He said, I believe I can help you. And he, he navigated, maneuvered, and we moved into a house. Nobody could believe it, mostly the realtor. <laughs> She's like, how'd you do that? Uh, yeah, how'd Jesus do that? Uh, I want to remind you that in this story, nobody, as in nobody, nobody in West Texas, nobody in Trustful, Nobody in the Word of Life Church in Birmingham, nobody ever said they would support us. And they pretty much kept their word. That, we got a $200 check from West Texas one time. And I preached for Pastor Webb. I was the first one. All the, all the people that had been there, the five-fold people that had been there for years, were pretty not happy with me. Because Pastor Webb went on, went, was going to go two weekends, so it'd be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. He called me, said, "Can you handle it?" My promotion message just went three, three messages, three. So I sure, sure, and it they paid the resident ministers that took the pulpit. There was a, a set fee, and it was a goodly fee. And it, we made payroll that month or that year. And then he worked some things out in West Texas where some property sold. I'm telling you, we walked on the water. It was so supernatural. Nobody promised, but we always had money. I will say the meal in the barrel never ceased. I will say the oil in the vessel Never quit. I will say the manna was out there every morning. I have, that's why I'm big into, I believe in finances because I've been out there where there was nothing, nothing, nothing. And it wasn't like, well, we'll, we'll fall back on this. I, I was a farmer and a preacher. So there was nothing to fall back on. There was a supernatural knowing. We knew in 45 days from when we got God to finally confirm it to us being in Alabama, 45 days. So that meant I had to find a pastor, I had to sell my house, I had to load, I had to tell my mother. You could hear her scream in Alabama, she was not so unhappy. There was a supernatural wisdom to come out of our founded church, so the church we founded there, and, uh, and to begin to travel the nation. Can you imagine how daunting that would be to travel the nation? when you've never been in anybody else's church? That was me. I'd never been in anybody else's church. 
There was a supernatural finance where money multiplied to us every single week. And we never knew how we made it. Have you ever been there? I trust you have where, where you didn't, you were in a place where if God doesn't send it, it's going down. And that's where we were. And he sent it in the most unusual means and always seemingly at the very last moment. Uh, but doors opened to me coast to coast. Uh, one week we were in Vesalia, California, and the next weekend we were in Stockbridge, Georgia. I'd never been out of Texas except to go up to Colorado a time or two. Uh, then when we got here and pioneered the church, uh, was going coast to coast, the door opened to pioneer this church in Tuscaloosa. And if I told you that story, you'd go, nah, you, you slipped over into the liar's chamber. But it's true. I'm telling you, it's so supernatural how this church was founded and how I got to be the pastor. The man that had the control of the church, that, Pastor Webb, he told me there's two other men in front of you and I will not deny them. You are third in line to pastor this church. But God said I was first in line. So here I am. And I want to tell you, I've had a supernatural life by going to the other side. I am the happiest fellow. You may argue with this, but I'm the happiest fellow on the planet. And, and I've had stuff happen. It's not like I've had a gilded life. I've had stuff happen. I've had family that's turned against me. Uh, Debbie departed. You know, just financial things that you cannot believe where, where we were waiting on the offering on Sunday so we could call the credit card company on Monday to pay them. And then whatever was left after paying them, then we got. I have, a, I have 100 miles of those stories. But you have to have them. You have to have that walking on the water. You have to have that spirit of faith story if you want to stay. Now, everybody can pass through and say, that was hard. I'm giving that up. But if you want to stay and be happy, you have to walk on the water. To walk on the water, you've got to go the other side. Now, nobody wants to go the other side, but the Lord wants us to go the other side. Because he's interested in you and me being fulfilled as sons and daughters. He's got a plan for your life. And he's not happy. He's not unhappy. But he's not happy when we sit down on the couch and say, I'm not going. I'm not going to look for what the will of God is. I'm not going to inquire because he might tell me. I'm not going to ask around. I'm not going to. No. He wants us to be looking. Because there is the other side. It's a little other side. Went to Russia one time, that was going to the other side. Toilet paper was so scarce that Debbie, when she would cry because we are in Russia, and they put smoked eel in front of us to eat, all we had was our peanut butter and our crackers, she would take her sock off and wipe her tears because she didn't want to waste that toilet paper. <laughs> I could tell you some grotesque stories about toilet paper in Russia. And it would not be edifying, but I'm telling you, there was a reason why we didn't burn the toilet paper. But I say that the Lord Jesus didn't just say, go to the other side and live there. The word says, I don't think we read it, but he went over there. Let's see, where is it? Well, trust me, we didn't read it, but he went over there. He ministered to the Gadarene demoniac and got everybody happy over there and healed everybody. And then, you know, when he cast the devils out of the legion, out of the demoniac, they went into the swine and they all ran down the side. Well, 
what the people do after that? Woo, yay, good. No, they came to him and said, you go. You remember that story? They said, you go away. So the word says he came back from the other side, came back over here, and everybody thronged him. And all the sick people in all the villages came to him and got healed. Very profitable to go the other side. He went over and then he came back and had success on both sides. I like Jeremiah 12, 5. It says, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how can thou contend with the horses? And that's a message to you, River Church. It's a message to you, Broadcast. If thou hast run with the footmen, in other words, if you've just been in the world, and you're just running with your peers, and with what everybody else is doing, and what everybody else is thinking, and, and just taking the good life, what I like to say is, those people, it takes all of their life to live their life. There's nothing left over for God. There's nothing left over for dreams. There's nothing left over for a, an exceptional life because it takes all of their life. They're exhausted at the end of the day, the week, the month, the year. They're exhausted. And they can barely think about taking another step into the next year because it takes all of their life to live their life. So when Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, he was talking about living all of your life and having plenty left over to live the, the gratified life, the satisfied life, the fulfilled life. And that's what makes God happy, is that he sent Jesus not just to forgive us of our sins, he came that we might have life. Well, forgiving us of our sins, if you don't get that, you don't have a fulfilled life. So that's a part of it, but that's not the end of it. The, the, the religious people will tell you Jesus came to forgive sins, but that's not true. But he did forgive our sins on the road to life and life to the full. And that's the truth. It doesn't just end. Well, I'm forgiven. I'm a forgiven sinner. That's what they'll say. I'm a forgiven whatever. I can't go there. So how, we got to know how to pour out our life. You get one shot at this thing. You'll never be, if you're 52, you'll never be 51 again. You get one shot. If you messed up your kids, all you can do is ask the Lord to help you fix it because the mess up cannot be erased. If, if, you, if, you, if we do any number of things that we regret, and I, I'm sure we all have a bucket of them that says, I should have turned left when the Lord said turn left, but I wanted to go right. You can't, you can't have a do-over, but you can have a redemption. The Lord can redeem that. He, Joel says he redeems the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and whatever else that other worm was. It was devastating, but he said, I can redeem that. I'm the redeemed one. I've made many mistakes. Now, I'm telling you, you might say, not say they were terrible. I've not killed anybody. I've never been in jail. I've never, been, I've never drank. I've never smoked. That doesn't make me any better than anybody else, I'm just telling you. You'd think that that's a pretty exemplary life, but... It, the inward sins or the sins inside of us are just as caustic as the ones that are overt that you go to jail for. And we've all struggled. We've all wrestled the alligator, as it were, to win the victory. I believe that there's wired inside of us by God in the new birth. Just like when, when you get born again, the 
Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto us. You get the God kind of faith. You get a God kind of compassion, mercy, grace. You, as he is, so are we in this world. You get that at the new birth. But I believe there's also a thing that God puts in us at the new birth that's called pursuit. Where you want more than what you can see, feel, hear, experience, or, 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 or know about. That there's something that in us, it's, you call it adventuresome, but it's more than that. It's, it's that where, where God came to, to Joshua and said, only be thou strong and of good courage. That means there's a lot of stuff out there to be fearful of and to be afraid of and to, to step back from. Well, we're not, we're not going there. Because did you hear about that other guy that went there and, and, and he got gobbled up? There's all those stories there. When's the last time you did something for the second time? So we got we to gotta pony up. You've been burned? Well, join the burned club. We've all been burned. Your story is not unique. Or We've all got a story of being burned by people, by preachers, by deacons, elders, trustees. We've all been burned by those buzzards. Well, we pay no attention. Did the preacher run off with the secretary? Did the preacher run off with the, with the money? Well, of course he did, but I'm not him. You, yeah, he did, but I didn't. And you didn't. And so what have you did? You may, be, you may have done, we may have done what they said we did, but we're not who they say we are. We're not. Number one, we're born again children of God, and we should go to the other side. We were made... There's a pursuit in us that makes us want to step out of the boat. But you have to have no feelings. You step out of the boat not knowing anything. Did Peter know anything? Nothing. But that spirit of faith just blocked it out. If you've never experienced it, it's the most amazing thing that can happen to you is to have the spirit of faith come on you. But it's not going to be happening when you're believing God to get you know, two pieces of bubble gum instead of one. You got to engage. You go, well, God's not calling me to Alabama or Texas or wherever. Your story will be different. I, I have not the most dramatic story, but I do have several stories that were quite. And in the time, I never knew that was what was happening. It's only looking back, I go, that's what happened. So that's why I'm telling you, because I, I had it happen and now I know what happened. And I'm telling you, this is what should happen. You should go to the other side. Now, in this church, we don't have a big program where once you come three Sundays, we have you as a greeter or an administrator. Or a, we, don't, we don't do that. But that doesn't mean it's not what the Lord's requiring. He wants you to be healers to whom much is given. You ought to go. He wants you to be givers, like Jonathan said this morning. <laughs> We like to do that. How can a people be so excited that they want to give? But yet in Exodus, we see that, the, that they had to stop the givers because they brought too much for the building of the tabernacle. Temple tabernacle. They said, you, you guys stop. We, we can't put up. We don't have a place to put all the gold and silver and all the things you're bringing. Now, that's, that's exceeding abundantly above. That's the Old Testament exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Well, we got to get out of I can ask or think what I can think. We got to get out there where it's exceeding abundantly. You got to say yes.
God won't talk to you about the other side until you say, I'm ready. Let's go. Do I know anything? Do I feel anything? Do I feel spiritual? Do I feel like I can do this or do that? Not at all. We always feel disqualified, but we're the righteousness of God, so we are qualified. So we say, listen, I'm saying yes to the other side. Watch out, because he's going to come back at you and say, I got a project I want you to do. I've had you at this place, that place, with these people, that people. I've had you go through this thing and that thing so that you'll be just right when it comes to that. And I'll tell you, when you say yes, listen to me, when you say yes to the Lord, other side, the spirit of faith will come and you cannot fail. I'm telling you, you cannot fail. I'm an example. We had no money. We knew nobody. And our parents were mad at us. They wanted to actually... They wanted us to starve out so we'd come home. So they weren't sending anything. Because it's like, you took my grandsons away. You'll be back. And we're, we're going to do our part to make sure you do come back. I'm telling you, Alabama's been so good to me. I, it's because it is the other side for me. Alabama, is, it's not like Alabama's so this or that. It's the other side for me. And I haven't even done yet what he sent me to Alabama for. It's still out in front. So if you'll go with me, you're going to see things that you've never seen before. It'll be the first time I saw them too. There's more God than the Baptists teach. Can I say that on broadcast? There's more God out there than the Baptists teach. But I'm telling you, there's more God out there than the Charismatics teach. And I'm telling you, there's more God out there than River Church teaches. We had not got the whole handle on anything. We're just at the edge of the water, the edge of the... But there's more. And you, how do you get more? I remember Debbie's grandmother got baptized in the Holy Ghost. She was pure Baptist. I mean, you, you talk about ivory soap, 99.99% .99 pure. She was. She was ultimate. But she loved Jesus so much. And so she was just worshiping God out at the ranch in Holly, Texas, just worshiping God. And the power of God came on her, and she was so-called slain in the spirit. She's on the floor, and she couldn't get up. And she started speaking in tongues, and she didn't even know what tongues were. But she was afraid to ask anybody. But she found somebody, and she said, I got to tell you, I got this problem. I, I, I talked uncontrollably. And they said, well, here's what it is, and here it is in the Word. And the woman ignited because she was hungry for God, she went to the other side. She dared, as a Baptist woman, to lift her hands and say, Jesus, I want everything you've got. Well, we got to do that too. Amen. Even though you got the Holy Ghost and you speak in other tongues and you're, you're all in and everything's there, there's more. It's called the other side. That was another side. I was Baptist, so going into the baptism of the Holy Ghost was definitely the other side. But I got that in me. You got that in you? We nailed it. So now we, we, we nailed, we love the word. We love the truth. Nobody I know could sit here for as long as y'all have to take this Sunday after Wednesday after Sunday. You've been acclimated. We all tithe. Everybody in River Church tithes. I'll just tell you. We all tithe. And then we're all giving. Now how does that happen? Line upon line. Saying yes to the other side. So, uh, I say, this is where I say, you ought to be in charge of both sides of the lake.
You ought to have no mystery in your life that says, well, I, I don't know about that out there. You either don't need to know about it or you got to get the spirit of faith on you and go to the other side. Now, I'm going to the other side yet. I've been to a lot of other sides. I've been in the spirit of faith more than once, actually three times, that it came on me and I could do nothing. I could not doubt. I mean, it's like, ah, that's no problem. You need $10,000 and you don't have a job? You need to travel the nation, you don't know anybody? The Lord gave me a plan of how to call churches and what to do with the secretary. I found out that all pastors uh, are not there on Tuesday, and on Thursday is their golf day, and here's how you talk, and, and that the secretary is the gatekeeper, and she's supposed to turn down everybody like me that calls and asks for a meeting. And the Lord showed me how to get in to all those churches and how to talk to the pastor. I, I would get in there and I'd say, can I send you a 12-minute cassette on the law of promotion, promotion that comes from the Lord? And they're like, ah, whatever, whatever. But all my friends were sending 90-minute tapes. You know what we all do with a 90-minute tape from a stranger? <laughs> but they could do 12 minutes. The Lord told me, do 12 minutes. And I would condense it, put it in there, and they'd go, I got to have this guy. So when I call the next week, they say, well, yeah, come in September. We're looking for you. Supernatural. If you can't, the message says, if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan in flood? Oh, we got to giddy up, y'all. The easy to read version. Isn't it interesting they'd have an easy to read version? If you get tired in a safe place, what will you do in a dangerous place? Now, we are programmed to say yes to things that we don't want to say yes to if there's a crisis. We're all programmed to get crisis, we'll answer because it'll take us out if we don't. If our children are in danger or if there's something going on with our bodies or our money or whatever, we say yes to it to get the solution grafted in. But the Lord wants you to be so blessed in just having such a big time in the kingdom. My money's right, my body's right, my family's right. Well, they're pretty all right, you know. I'm working on them. And uh, everything's right, and I'm hungry as I can be to find out what I'm supposed to do with my life. That feeling good, being good, and being situated is not the measure of being through. Did y'all hear me? Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're through pursuing. I, I'll say, and I'm going to quit with this, that you ought to be a little uncomfortable at all times saying, what else is there? We sought the Lord all those months. But then Debbie finally put it up to the Lord and said, if you, don't, if you don't come to terms with this, we're tired of this gnawing, this pulling, this, this unction that's on us. If you don't put up, we, she kind of said, please shut up. Because we're, we're tired of having this thing working in us. And he said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Separate for the work I've called. So immediately we just said, wonder where that is. Because the other side's not here. The other side's on the other side. And we jumped. Doesn't mean you have to go to the mission field. Doesn't mean you have to leave Tuscaloosa. Doesn't mean you have to leave anything. Your other side might be just... Uh, Lay hands on the sick. 
Are y'all laying hands on the sick? We ought to lay hands on the sick. We ought to have Bible studies. We ought to, well, I don't know what we ought to do. I don't know what you're supposed to do, but I know we're all supposed to be doing something because all of us have another side. And you're not going to like it when we get to that upper side and the Lord said, the records show you didn't go to the other side. Oh, Lord, I, I was having the blessed life. I, everything's cool. He said, oh, no, we don't want cool. So, Father, we thank you for the other side, even that there is one, that our lives are not finished with what we've seen and done, that that is not the compilation of all that you called us to do. You're not mad at anybody, Lord, but you do draw us to what you've equipped us to do. You draw us into that. And I thank you for the spirit of faith, Lord, being a quest that we all endure. I, I thank you, Lord, that something in us is already pulling and we say yes to it. Nobody looking around. I've never done this, but nobody looking around. How many of y'all already, by the uplifted hand, would say, I know what the other side is. I know what he's talking about when he said, go to the other side. Well, that's personal. No one needs to know that. But you need to know the Lord wants an answer. Because if you said there isn't anything, you're just behind. You're just in the dark. You're, you're just not asking. You're, you're just satisfied with something that doesn't satisfy. And the Lord wants to change that. So, Lord, we yield. We give up. We cooperate. We agree. We come under. We submit to Holy Spirit's pull on us. And we say, make it clear and plain, Lord. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. We're not afraid to know what the other side would be like. Because the spirit of faith will take us there and you'll have all the glory. We'll absolutely say, it wasn't me. I couldn't have pulled it off. But you did. And we want that in our lives before we go to heaven. And I give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yay. Yay, Lord Jesus. This is good. It's good. It's like you get set free. I don't know if you got set free or not, but you should have. Either you confirm, yep, that's what I'm doing. That's right. Or it's like, I'm not doing that, but I will. Amen.